This is episode 160 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I'm joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hi, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So this week, um, we have uh, it was a, it was quite the roller coaster week for the Mets. <laughs> um, we have uh, since we last recorded, kind of the first thing that happened. Um, before we even get to how the Mets performed on the field, is that um, Carlos Carrasco hit the injured list with elbow inflammation. Um, <laughs> literally, like, right... A- I'm pretty sure this happened, like, right after uh, our podcast aired last week. Um, and it was like they didn't even listen to our podcast uh, where we said having all three of Peterson, McGill, and Budo, Lucchese, whoever in the rotation at the same time was a bad idea. Although we also weren't crazy about seeing Carlos Carrasco pitch like this. So maybe it's all our fault. Trade-offs. I mean, like, I guess it, I mean, it's not good news that he's hurt, obviously, but at least it provides an explanation as to why he was pitching so poorly. And it wasn't just he's pitching poorly for no reason. So I guess that's good. Um but yeah, the the status of Carrasco is sort of up in the air right now. Um, the inflammation he is experiencing is due to a bone spur in his elbow. He has had bone spurs before. Um, the last time he had bone spurs, they required surgery. Um, this time, the Mets are hoping that the bone spur... I don't know much about bone spurs, but I think it has to do with like the size and the location of it. Um, whether like surgery is necessary and just like how much like pain can you tolerate before it becomes untenable? Um, And so right now they're hoping that they can just treat this, treat the inflammation with cortisone injections, and then he can continue to pitch through it. um, If the injections help with the pain, Um, because the bone spur itself, like won't get any worse. It'll just be there causing issues and either he can pitch through it or he can't. Um, So he's supposed to start a throwing program. I think this week, um, and seeing how he progresses through that um, and whether he can progress through it without pain or if it continues to bother him, then he may need surgery. Um, if he doesn't need surgery, he should be back in like a couple weeks, like early May, I think they were saying. Um, well, at least but... we have an explanation for why he was doing so poorly. Yes. <laughs> and it did. I mean, this is a problem he's had before. And, you know, the the results were similar. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so hopefully he doesn't need surgery, um, cause that would mean that he'd be out pretty long-term. I don't know if it would end his season. It might, uh, it would be, it would be in like which case it would end his Mets career. Most yeah. likely, <laughs> most likely that um, would probably not stick. Yeah. So that was deeply unfortunate. Um, but uh, the bright side of that, I guess, is that uh, Joey Lucchese uh, got called up from AAA to fill his spot in the rotation, and he pitched a masterpiece. Yeah, it was great. Chirp, 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 chirp. I feel like Linda single-handedly manifested this into existence. <laughs> if anyone could. If anyone could. I, I just I feel so vindicated because I was pounding the drum for the chirp for so long and then he didn't let me down. I was so happy. It was it was a truly a triumphant return for the chirp. And, uh, you know, he it was the best starting pitching performance the Mets got all week. Um, all season, maybe all season. Yes. Um, well, he was the only pitcher to throw a, he's the only Mets starting pitcher to throw a pitch in the seventh inning this season, let alone complete seven innings, which is what he did. Um, seven scoreless innings. He struck out nine hitters, um, and the Mets won like very handily and it was great. Um, I was was very happy about how many strikeouts he was getting too, because he's not. I mean, yeah, he can strike out people, but I don't know, like, as he was going along, it just kind of got ridiculous how they were kind of flailing away. Yes, they don't hit lefties, um, 
But yeah, he just got stronger as the game went on. It was just, it was, it was uh, obviously starting out with the pitch clock violation is not what you want. <laughs> but he overcame it. He did. He overcame it. And he did even say post game too that that's what kind of screwed him up in spring training too was having to adjust to the pitch clock. So maybe now that that's like, because yeah, spring wasn't great, but now in, um, in AAA, his numbers were fantastic. So it seems like he's finally put that aside. And he said he has a timing mechanism now. Like he takes a deep breath as a timing mechanism. So hopefully, I mean, he pitched better than McGill and Peterson. And the Mets yep. have decisions to make coming up. Yep. I'm not biased. I swear I'm not biased. Yep. Um, One doesn't have to be to <laughs> recognize someone's pitching real good there (laughs) yeah like objectively his results were much better um and you know notably as as linda alluded to the giants um who the mets played in the second half of the week um and split a four-game series with them uh notably the giants do not hit left-handed pitching very well but if that pitcher is David <laughs> Peterson, apparently it does not matter. Believe in your believe in your dreams, kids. Anything's possible. <laughs> I found you it interesting. Face David Peterson. I found it interesting <laughs> that the Giants have struggled so mightily against left-handed pitching, considering the two two of the former Mets that are on the team in Wilmer Flores and JD Davis notably kill left-handed pitching. Yeah. Um, or at least historically have done so. I haven't looked at their splits for this season um but in their careers they have done that i think i mean it's the spn broadcast so take it with a grain of salt but i think they said wilmer's doing better against righties this year which didn't seem right to me but i mean it's probably right small sample size alert i don't know um yeah no that's 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 usually the answer to reverse handedness splits like oh so and so figured out lefties nope i'll ask again (laughs) next week Uh, (laughs) But Although yeah. poor Wilmer, when he granted onto the double play, when, when Lucas he was pitching like, oh, there's that Wilmer speed. <laughs> the it's like the he's Mets... running in slow motion. <laughs> Particularly in the Joey Lucchese game, but overall as well, the Mets did benefit from the Giants being one of the slower-footed teams um, in baseball. They've been turning a lot of double plays, which which was helpful to Lucchese. Um, but yeah, uh, Peterson, not so much. You can't turn a double play when the ball leaves the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. Um, so yeah, for for all of the amazingness that was Joey Lucchese's start, the rest of the rotation is somewhat Oof. of a tire fire at the moment. Um, it's not just McGill and Peterson, although they are probably the worst part of it. Um, they did not perform well this week at all in either of their starts. Um, Peterson was worse than McGill, I guess, but both of them have been really bad. Um, and it just feels like the house of cards that has been the, uh, rotation that they have cobbled together in the absence of Justin Verlander, uh, and Jose Quintana and now Carlos Carrasco as well is starting to fall down. I will say in their defense, it is extremely hard for any team to effectively combat losing their best four pitchers. It's yeah. four, right? Yeah. yeah. Literally four of the pitchers, four of the five planned um, starters uh, for opening day uh, are out now. Um, and Justin yeah. Verlander is, is not 80%. thrown a single pitch yet. Yeah. That's not good. Like no, no team can weather that uh, and expect to come out. Okay. Um, it's a problem. Hopefully it won't go on much longer and the Mets can just hang on, but it's, it's a huge issue. Kodai Sanga is the only one, um, the only guy who was projected to be part of the opening rotation, opening day rotation, who is currently in the rotation and he has pitched poorly two starts in a row. Now he, he had the benefit of run support in both of them. So the Mets won both of those games that he pitched, but he still hasn't looked super great in either of those starts well in peterson and mcgill like they're depth guys they're totally fine as depth guys and it's good to have guys like that but they should not be counted on to be in the rotation long term they're just once they get it's like 
Nito is at the catcher. Well, the more they get exposed, the more you see that's not an ideal solution. Yeah. Um, and the Mets ha- were dealt a further blow to the rotation this week that was not injury related, uh, which is probably the biggest Mets story of the week. Um, mm. which happened mm. in the final game of the Dodgers series, which the Mets did still take two out of three in that series, and it was very good. Um, that they did so. Um, it was a huge victory. The only the only game that they lost in that series was one where you know what, like Clayton Kershaw carved him up. He's a future Hall of Famer. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap to Clayton Kershaw. What can you do? Um, but they managed to pull out the victory in the rubber game, despite the fact that Max Scherzer was ejected uh, after three innings uh, due to sticky stuff. <laughs> For reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only guy who has ever thrown anybody out for the sticky stuff. Shockingly, or at least for like recent whatever. It's been him like the last three in a row or something. And just yeah. like, hmm, hmm. Wonder what that could be. Wonder what the common factor is there. Bill Cuzzy. Um, yeah, this whole this whole Max Scherzer thing has been a a disaster um for for the Mets and for the league um i mean it's like Scherzer himself said and you know if 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 we're all being duped by him and like then fine and he's some sort of like mastermind villain but not really because if he's a mastermind then he wouldn't have gotten caught um <laughs> but well, like, that's the part that sorry go ahead but he said, like, I'd have to be an idiot. I knew I was getting checked again. I'd have to be stupid to do something that wasn't loud and and knowing that I would get checked. And he's right. Mm-hmm. Like this is this was not this was not um a suspension because of a a substance that's not allowed. This was a legal substance that he was using in rosin. It was just that they determined it was an illegal amount or an illegal level of stickiness as a result. Like you cannot just do this do this subjectively like this. You have to have better a better bar for a better objective bar for enforcement here. It's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, well, it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I'm, and that's, I can believe, you know, nobody wants to think the worst of their wonderful players, but like, I can believe Max Scherzer would use sticky stuff. I believe almost any baseball player would do almost anything to be better at baseball, but he's not an idiot. I don't believe he would do something just no. straight up stupid like that. I don't believe. Nope. Does not compute. Well, in the least, Eduardo pointed out that his spin rate never changed. So right. it's not like he was benefiting from it. Right. Yeah. Um, it increased between the first and second inning, but it increased to his norm and he was coming off of a longer rest than yeah. right. that first inning. Right. Well, and also what I don't get, I don't know if I'll ever get an answer for this or if anybody has an answer, feel free to shout it out. What's the point of having him wash in front of an MLB official if the umpire can just overrule that anyway, like what's the point of having an MLB official there to make sure he's abiding by the rules and then he gets thrown out for abiding by the rules. It really well, if they thought it was actually foreign. Then telling him to wash his hands would have been the wrong thing to do. If they thought there was a foreign substance, then what they are supposed to do is throw him out immediately. Yeah, that's it. There's no like warning shot with the foreign substance rule. That is like you're out. And that's not what happened. Right. It didn't happen for Domingo Herman either. Correct. Um, they did the same thing with Domingo Herman, except he was never, you know, like suspended, right? Um, mm-hmm. But they he did wasn't the same- even thrown out. He wasn't even thrown out. They told him to wash his hands, and that was the end of it. Um, and you know, it really feels like if you're washing your hands, and if because. Scherzer said he was washing his hands with alcohol, and many people have already pointed out now the very correct point that alcohol is going to make it stickier. That's why the pitchers use it, well, um, use alcohol with the rosin because it makes it. You don't you, you don't want to use regular water because it'll make your hands all like pruney. They said it on the ESPN broadcast. Yeah, and 
I I am not a baseball a professional baseball player, a professional pitcher, but I do have ex- a little bit of experience with this stuff. I I don't think it's rosin or the same exact substance, but back when I was powerlifting, very heavy weights, you're oftentimes you can lift more than you can grip with your hands because your hands get sweaty and they get st- slippery same thing with pitchers with baseballs that's why they need the rosin because when you sweat your hand gets slippery and then you can't control your pitches and so that's what the rosin is for similarly for for power lifters and for gymnasts they use chalk it's the same concept it's and and oftentimes the liquid chalk that you can buy um online is is some sort of like chalk or rosin whatever like powder mixed with alcohol because it makes your hands sticky. That's the that's basic chemistry. The alcohol is drying out your hands. It's evaporating mm. the liquid and it's making the and it's making the chalk stickier to your hands. But that was that's what they told him to do. <laughs> so, I don't I just don't understand. It feels like like a big like gotcha that they were trying to pull off here. I don't know. And, and that's why I don't like ESPN broadcast, Ravage kept saying he was pushing the envelope. He was pushing the envelope. Like, who was that? What evidence is there that he was pushing the envelope? There's literally zero evidence of that. He used the substance. And again, in the the area of like Max Scherzer not being a dummy, like, what on earth would he stand to gain from just starting shit over foreign substances? Where, how does that like, I guess they, because they, I guess they sort of felt like he was picking a fight or something, or like trying to make a point, and that just doesn't seem like him. Like no. what? Like he's like, just the most monomaniacal person on the planet. <laughs> like all he wants to do is get out there and pitch, and so you're saying that he did so with a foreign substance that nobody noticed for several innings, except that they noticed it, um, and that he's a dummy who just kept adding more. And like, like that's that's their story. You want to talk about how he was reacting in, you know, he was screaming about, I swear my kids' lives is just sweat and rosin and like free- and freaking out. Like the umpire instigated it by mm-hmm. taking the glove and shoving it back in his chest. That was that was ump show stuff. Like mm-hmm. say what you will about the enforcement. I have my own issues with that. But like when you it's not just uh, it's not just the whole like uh, procedure of it. It's the fact that they made it an ump show and they they like that's why I feel like this was I don't want to be like conspiracy theory oriented about it, but that's why it feels like this was a big show for the league to be like, look how serious we are about this, like a star pitcher on a marquee team, um, you know, a, a, a guy who is very active in like C- who is very active in CBA negotiations, a player rep like. Like, this is the guy that if you want to make a big deal out of the sticky stuff enforcement that you go after. Um, Now, I'm not saying that, like, that means that he's totally innocent and didn't do anything wrong and like or anything like that. But like, if there is a guy to go after for this, it it would be him. Right. I don't even necessarily think that, like, it was wrong to pull him from the game, although that's where I would lean. But like, you know. I think the only way, the, the only charitable way to look at it would be if the umps were like, man, I'm really sorry. I know you washed your hands, but this is too sticky. There's, I, I we really can't let you pitch because this does violate the rule. And I'm sorry, we didn't want to do it like this, but it just has to happen. Like if they had approached it from this reasonable situation of like, maybe like, I don't know. One of them said it was the stickiest hand he'd ever felt. I don't want to know what the comparison size was to that. Right. But, um, but like, okay, maybe it was too sticky. Then why, then why turn, why bring up the drama? Like, just like you were saying, like, what's the, what does that serve except to get attention? Yeah. It's, and it's just like, again, I keep going back to, there was no actual foreign substance that they can find that they can point to and say that was it that's the illegal thing they just didn't like the level of stickiness that he achieved with the legal means that already exist and like how can you possibly uniformly enforce that you can't it's impossible and like espn did more on their silly little broadcast to (laughs) to tell the public about what was going on than the league did or the umpires well that's the thing have we gotten a statement from the league 
No. I don't think so. And um, also, I saw one tweet say, if they really suspected a sticky stuff incident where he was using something illegal, his glove should have been confiscated and there should have been a chain of command so they could test the glove. Yeah, like there has to I be don't think that happened either. The rule, the rule does does allow for um like a technically legal substance that they feel is being used in an illegal manner. I do believe that's one of like one of the many arguably too many things built into the rule to be like, well, also the umpires might just feel it. Yeah. I think that's why he didn't appeal. I think that's why. Yeah. Well, he knew. Yeah. yeah, He knew he wouldn't win, but like, there's no, there's no objective measure of what's too sticky. It's just what the umpire decides is too sticky is the problem. And And sometimes that umpire is Phil Cuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, like, I'm not trying to like crap all over Phil Cuzzy. It may be that Phil Cuzzy is the only umpire actually enforcing this rule properly but there needs to be more of a standard here then like either every other umpire needs to get up to phil cuzzy's level of enforcement or (laughs) phil cuzzy needs to chill the hell out like one of those two things he's and jerry blevins did because he didn't want to blame phil cuzzy he said this is mlb's fault for not having a standard correct and uh, he's absolutely correct on that uh, friend the of the podcast hand I ever felt is not a great um, is not a great objective measure. Right, <laughs> like as a scientist, that does not pass snuff. That would not pass peer review. <laughs> that would not. That Maybe would not appear. Ten thousand people to each independently rate the hand on a level of stickiness. Right, <laughs> would start to get repeatable results. <laughs> exactly. Ten thousand Bill Cuzzies all in a row. <laughs> it's a weird day like it's that would not that would not pass peer review that would not uh that would not be up to snuff for a scientific publication to just be like now i'm just imagining like if if you know if a if uh if a like publication for a scientific journal was like we based this on vibes (laughs) like (laughs) Like you can't just base this on vibes, man. This was the stickiest I that's felt. A letter, that's a letter to the editor situation right there. This vibes. drug, this drug seemed like the most effective one just based on vibes. <laughs> Great <laughs> like, vibes on this drug. Yeah, like cool. Yeah, that that'll really work. Um, and yeah, so you need some sort of. And again, I'm I like we're joking about this, but like it doesn't need to be a scientific publication level. Uh, but there needs to be some sort of standard. And friend of the pod, Meredith Wills, like basically proposed one on Twitter that was better mm-hmm. than anything the league came up with, which was a gravity test. Um, basically, like you, like you do, like you hold the like you hold the ball up in the air and you see like what how long it takes to fall like you do a gravity test and you know that's pretty easy to do and they just are not doing it they're doing it based on vibes consult scientists (laughs) yeah well yeah consult people with like actual knowledge and not phil (laughs) cozy and meredith tweeted this out for free like there you go She's not paid to do this. I feel like we might need some other scientist to get MLB's attention on this one. They don't like Meredith. Yeah, yeah. they might have her on Be fair, They don't Twitter. like Meredith for the same reasons we really like Meredith. Yeah. So, um, that's but she knows personal. more about the baseballs than anyone. Yeah, she's the expert. And she won't keep her mouth shut and let them keep looking good about it. So, And, you know, if if... And this is like somewhat related. It's a different thing, but it's related. If MLB had standards for their baseball to begin with, we wouldn't have these issues. Well, they <laughs> which did Jerry also- Blevins was t- say was talking about a lot in the post game, which was that like MLB made this problem with mm-hmm. balls that are too slick. Well, that's what they were also saying. Like David Cohn was saying, how they have pretty tacky baseballs in Japan, so right. they don't need to be rubbed up. They don't need anything. They're just already. A standardized stickiness when they come out of the box so he was like they could probably start doing that here but i don't i don't understand like why has nobody looked into this before now yep vibes presumably 
Well, then that also made me think of like poor Senga. He had like this nice sticky ball in Japan, and now he has to completely get used to this new slippery ball that people are complaining about again. So I'm willing to give Senga a pass for his early struggles. It's definitely one of the things that a lot of Japanese players have said is like pitchers specifically have said is hard about making that transition. Well, right. except yeah. for Otani, because he's just a freak, I guess. Well, <laughs> you can't use him for an example for anything. No. He is a freak of nature. <laughs> and I really hope that he will be taking David Peterson's starts. That's what I said. <laughs> like, can you imagine a rotation of Verlander, Otani, Scherzer, Sango? <laughs> That'd be that would be super rude. Pretty unreal. <laughs> Listen, the baseball gods owe us this because we traded away Nolan Ryan. And hey, what if, it's all, what if it's those four guys, but then also David Peterson? <laughs> <laughs> what if that's a monkey's paw? Can never get away from David Peterson. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that might be a little more survivable. Then. <laughs> it's not David Peterson with like McGill and Buto. It's Peterson with Verlander, Scherzer, and Otani. It does go down a little easier. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like we might be able to survive David Peterson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Mets have been surviving, you know, despite everything that's happened. They still had a good West Coast road trip. They were seven and three on the West Coast road trip. Um, but obviously this this was like left a little sour taste in the mouth that uh, you know, is it can't be measured by the record alone based on the Scherzer suspension. And then yesterday's loss was pretty frustrating. Um, it was, you know, a close game where it was another situ. It was like the Dennis Santana game, a very similar situation um, where, you know, instead of using a well-rested da- uh, David Robertson or Adam Adovino with the off day the next day being today, as we record this on Monday night, um, yesterday, Buck brought in Drew Smith into a tie game in the eighth inning, and Smith gave up the go-ahead run, and they lost. Um, it's, I mean, I'm not saying they would have won that game if he brought in David Robertson instead, because who's to say if the Mets would have scored ever? Um, but it, it just, it was, it was a questionable move by Buck, and then Buck ended up saying after the game that Drew Smith is just as good as Adam Adovino <laughs> and David Robertson, which caused everyone to be like, huh? yeah. really? really? I mean, like, I know, I know uh-huh. that Buck has to say these things. Like he has to stand behind his guys. Um, He's never going to be like, well, you know, Adam Adovino would have been a better option, but I didn't use him because of X, Y, Z reason. Um, He has to say that, like, I have confidence in my guys because it's the right thing to say, but it's it's objectively incorrect. Like, I, I like Drew Smith. Drew Smith is fine. He is a solid middle reliever. He should not be used in high leverage, especially when you had your two best pitchers of uh, two best relievers rested and available with the off day the next day. I would have been even fine using Drew Smith, but then he should have flip-flopped him in really. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that would have been fine, unless were there lefties coming up, and maybe that's why he wanted really. I don't know, but he kept them in for a whole inning, so it's not like, oh, wait, you, but you have to because of the three-batter rule. But still, really, I feel like that's fine against both lefties and righties. He does. He's held righties to, like, a 153 batting average or something. Really, has been excellent yeah he's been great yeah so um, i feel like he could be a perfectly fine eighth inning guy if on you know and robertson aren't available he's your next best reliever right it's and, yeah and like i get it because everybody's been leaving the game early so you have been relying on uh, robertson and out of you know a lot i get it but they hadn't pitched in a few days, and then there was another off day built in because they got blown out in the Peterson game, so you didn't need them. Lucchese pitched into the seventh inning, so you didn't really need them then. Plus, they were up by a lot, so then you, they used Tommy Hunter to close out that game. Yeah, neither of them had pitched since Wednesday. Yeah, so it was completely fine to use at least one of them. Yeah, it makes no sense. David Robertson only pitched one inning in the past week. Unless they were both banged up, and that would be way worse. And also, I would understand why Buck didn't say it, but 
Right. I really hope they're not banged up. I hope there is a like, you know, for for the sake of like Buck's strategy, I hope that there was a better explanation than I think Drew Smith is just as good as these <laughs> other two guys. But I don't I hope a lot of that from the health of the bullpen's perspective, which I mean, I know that Drew Smith, you know, didn't have a good day um, yesterday. But that said, like despite everything, despite the fact that they have been stretched incredibly thin, despite the fact that they lost their all-star closer before the season even began, despite the fact that they've been churning guys in and out of the bullpen, the Mets have the best bullpen ERA in the National League right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm buying a lottery ticket. They wow. Um, yeah, somebody take several, a photo. There are several American League teams that have bullpen ERA. A's better than the Mets, but actually the Mets have like far and away the best bullpen ERA in the National League. I think like the next, I think they're like a th- like a three point oh something, and the next team is like three point two something. Uh, Even the guys they've been getting to like fill in, like Yakabonis, Brigham, Yuseta, like they've all been good, right? Every one of them's been good. And like Denny Reyes was good. The only reason that, you know, he got sent down really was because, well, they had to make a roster spot um, and and they want to stretch him out to be a starter because the Mets have now have zero starting pitchers left. Um, and but he was good before he got sent down. Um, Curtis was doing fine. Like he had like one bad outing last week, um, but Curtis has been fine. He got sent down. Br- Brigham's been great um, for absolutely dominant really innings good. this week. Yeah, um, striking out a ton of guys. I think in across like four appearances, he struck out like seven guys. Um, he's looking. He struck out four yesterday in two yes, innings. In two innings, um, he's looked really, really good. Um, I hope he's not going anywhere. He needs to stay. Uh, he looks dominant. Um, he's been great. You see to like pitch three scoreless innings in the, in the blowout game. Um, yeah, they've all been like the bullpen's been great. Honestly, like, yes, uh, relievers occasionally have been having a bad day, but that always that happens. Um, overall, they've been very solid as a group and that's been, that's been the Mets saving grace because they'd be screwed otherwise. <laughs> oh yeah. And also, I mean, last week we were lamenting about how they couldn't like they beat the A's, but the offense was struggling against terrible A's pitching. But the offense at least livened up a little bit too. Yes. Um, yes, it has. Um uh, Brandon Nimmo especially has been carrying this team. Um, he's been absolutely on fire. Pete's been hitting a ton of dingers. Um, actually doesn't somehow doesn't lead baseball anymore. Max Muncy has 11 home runs. Pete has 10, um, which is crazy. Balls juiced again. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's the offense has been good. Um, Brandon Nimmo has been tearing the cover off the ball. Jeff McNeil is finally back to doing Jeff McNeil things of late, which is really good to see because he had been struggling a bit to start the year. Um, but yeah, the offense is hitting. They didn't hit Clayton Kershaw this week, but that'll happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> otherwise they otherwise no shame they, in that. Worst things oh. in life than losing to Clayton Kershaw. True. Um, yep. Other than like that, everything they, else that happened that <laughs> they put up at least four runs in each of the other games since we last recorded. Um, so you know. didn't Pete like hit a bunch of like didn't he have like dingers and like three games in a row or something? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but it was something like three games in a row. He had a home run. Yeah. Uh, which is great. We love to see it. We I hope I hope Pete hits 70 dongs this year. That'd be incredible. Well, he was the first man to hit 10 before the end of April. Yep. Yep. Can't believe John Buck didn't do it. I know it was like <laughs> I all he did was hit fifty thousand home runs in twelve days and then nothing at all. And then nothing else. <laughs> And and he hugged Matt Harvey that one time. Yes. <laughs> well, they, and also I think Neil Walker had the record. He had nine. Yeah, yeah. Neil Walker. Neil Walker was really good for the Mets that year. He was. 2016. He was really good for the Mets. That it's year. just hard to remember because um, Daniel Murphy went to the Nationals and turned into Ted Williams. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was that year. And everyone was determined to lull Mets that. So, I mean, you know, there were flashes, but. Um, 
So speaking of the A's, who the Mets swept um, during this West Coast trip, um, we learned this week that the Athletics are almost certainly leaving Oakland um, as ownership has, quote, signed a binding agreement to purchase land in Las Vegas to build a new stadium. So it's not like happening, happening, but they are making moves very strongly uh toward leaving oakland and it seems like this that they're serious about this um and it's a huge freaking bummer like i don't know what else to say it's bad for baseball um it's 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 horrible for the city of oakland and the baseball fans that reside there and elsewhere across the country um it sucks it it yeah. really sucks. Well, and they already lost the Raiders. The later the Ra- they literally just left, so they have nothing left now. Yep, they. It's it's and it's and it's all because this is just like this is just craven greed, and it's mm-hmm. like all a real estate scam, and that's the sad part about it. This is exactly what John Fisher wanted. Like, don't make any mistake. I mean, he says, like, oh, we wanted so badly to stay Mm -hmm. in Oakland. We Mm -hmm. tried so hard. Yeah. Your uh actions show otherwise. You didn't make any effort to upkeep your stadium. You let it fall to ruin on purpose. You did the same thing to your baseball team. You dismantled it. You traded every, every good player that ever came up on your team on purpose and then said, Woe is me. No one's interested in my baseball team. Guess we got to move it. It was a real life major league situation, except he succeeded in moving his team. Like this is literally the plot of major league. It is. <laughs> um, but it's also they were much better at being terrible than. Yeah. Than the, uh, than a major oh, league. <laughs> yeah. But. You know, it's also like I saw Jerry Blevins tweeted, Chris Bassett tweeted. Like, you forget this means something to the players, too. It's not just the fans who are upset. The players who played there are really upset. It meant something to them. Yeah. And, like, this is, like, Oakland has, like, the Oakland A's have a very storied baseball history that is now being, like, basically erased. We um, saw it. They were celebrating the, the 1973 team when exactly. the Mets were they had some of the most exciting, iconic baseball players that have ever played the game on their team. Ricky Henderson, like that, like this is classic stuff. And and you know, and you know, obviously we couldn't have really foreseen it at the time, um, like how much Moneyball and that whole mentality, like how much damage that would do ultimately um, for all the good things that it's done it's also done a lot of damage but like that was oakland like that that era started in oakland even though those teams never actually won a world series it's still like you know a very famous like thing that happened there um it stinks it's sad um and like i think people who um and i'm not pretending to be like well learned in uh you know west coast culture as an east coaster um, but I, even I know that people saying who are saying, well, they've still got the giants don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Like, it's across the bay and it's a very different demographic of people. Um, Oakland was always like, and I, I, I mean, it's not exactly the same thing because the Mets and the Yankees inhabit the same city. Um, but I always saw it as like the, you know, the the blue collar working class to the white collar, a very similar dynamic that the Mets and the Yankees have was always the yeah. A's and the Giants. Um, so it's it sucks. Um, the the uh, I feel like Michael Bauman, Michael Bauman wrote an excellent article uh, about this on fan graphs. Um, and, uh, he's, and I want to quote part of it cause I just think it says it better than I could. Um, he said, Fisher didn't want a new ballpark so the team could draw more fans. He wanted a new ballpark so taxpayers could underwrite his, his real estate development project. That's not a partnership in any meaningful sense. It's a shakedown. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess a new, it was only a matter of time because the NHL had the Golden Knights. They had pretty much... 
Vegas all to themselves. I mean, yeah, the 51s were there, but that's minor league baseball. So I knew it was only a matter of time before baseball and football saw how what that Vegas market and how well it was doing and they would want a piece of the action. So, I mean, the rain was on the wall for a while and this is just how it turned out that it wasn't an expansion team that's going there. Now they've found another way to get into the Vegas market. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not necessarily like, I don't necessarily have an issue with a team in, in Vegas, like the market, I, I like I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Um, as far as whether that market will support a baseball team and whether a baseball team will do well there. I I hope it does because like it'd be good for baseball if a team flourishes in a new market, right? But I think I just think the whole like the sim just the pure symbolism of the departure from Oakland to the lost the literal Las Vegas Strip and just <laughs> like the like the sudden like. Again, this all goes back to uh, sports gambling mm-hmm. suddenly being right at the center of the like soul of the game, and it's so depressing to me. And I just think that this move from Oakland to Vegas, of all places, is emblematic of that. Like basically, you know, John Fisher is like cashing out casino money to have a taxpayer-funded stadium. Like it's just, it's. It's really, it's, it sucks. It's depressing. Well, my question too is, are they going to be in the central? Like, where are they going to change divisions now? Are they going to like regroup everything? Where are they going to stay in the West? Um, I think that they will probably stay in the West until expansion happens um, in other, in other cities. And then, and then MLB is going to do like a full blown realignment. Oh yeah. It's coming. They're, they're uh, definitely going to put the Mets and the Yankees in the same division. I already oh see it coming. God, I will die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be like the Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, and Phillies. Like the absolute worst division you could possibly come up with. I I don't want that at all. Like they'll be the East. <laughs> A thing that I don't want. Um. So, and oh, and Rob Manfred... Um, gave a quote um about the the A situation earlier today where he basically said like sorry for the fans in Oakland but this is good <laughs> like basically like it's, again this is happening on your watch <laughs> yeah like how much more can happen under Manfred's leadership Here's the here's the exact quote from Manfred. I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. I really do. But for the city of Oakland to point fingers at John Fisher, it's not fair. Oh, He's shown an unbelievable commitment to the fans in Oakland by mm-hmm. exhausting every possible opportunity to try to sure. get something done in Oakland. Unfortunately, the government doesn't seem to have the will to get it done. This is a good reminder that MLB is not like baseball as a whole. MLB is the owners. Mm-hmm. Rob Manfred represents the owners. That is his role. And this is him. Well, I won't say what he's doing in this situation, but he is serving his owner. It's yeah. it's not fair. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. And, to, and like, oh, it's the government's fault for not giving a bunch of their money. Our money. Yeah. Taxpayer money. Like, ugh. It's just, it's so gross. It's so gross. I hate it so much. Um, Meanwhile, so like Rob Manfred saying that about the Oakland A's situation, like, like literally it's that like, it's literally that meme, the like, sorry to your grandma, but I'm built different. Like it's it's literally sorry to the fans in Oakland, but I'm built different. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, meanwhile, he says that. And then that is, that was an immediate, like, basically follow up to, you know, uh, earlier this week when he uh, when Rob Manfred said that he wants to uh, basically they're start they're already starting to float what the owners want in the next collective bargaining agreement. We're only like we're less than a year into the current collective bargaining agreement, but they're already talking about here's all the things we want to do. Um, and Rob Manfred said that they want to limit contract lengths and they're also mad about opt outs. There's all course. these opt-outs. We hate them. It's like, uh, the team's a great those. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's never going to happen. Um, 
so yeah, the the owners are clearly interested in the next CBA uh, in trying to like place a limit on the length of contracts. Um, and obviously, Tony Clark is <laughs> has wants no part of that at all, um, and called it like an assault on uh, on guaranteed contracts. Um, yeah, which is correct. That's yeah. the correct way to <laughs> to <laughs> phrase it. Um, but yeah, that's that's something else that Rob Manfred wants to do. So that's very cool. <laughs> I feel like again, this is going after Cohen, who can afford those long contracts. Yeah. Like, oh sure, I'll give Otani 12 years. Why not? The the like the thing that Manfred said that made me like raise my eyebrows the most about it was he said, um, the difficulty, and I think players will come to appreciate this as time goes by, those <laughs> contracts result in a transfer from the current stars to yesterday's stars. Huh? Wow. Who is who made the rule that they're not allowed to pay? Current mm. stars better. Yeah, who's that? We're all trying to find the guy who did do. this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I what? So much. Yeah, like, then let me have my free agency earlier. How about that? Yeah. Like, what? I just. <sighs> it's it... ruining the game. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's never, I mean, I don't think that the, the this is a non-starter for the union um, as is salary cap. So the next CBA is going to be the next CBA negotiation is going to be fun. Is all but the insurers are saying he's he's quitting this <laughs> being the rep. Oh, did he say that? I think so. I think he said he's done. <laughs> they would suspended me him. for sicky stuff. I'm done. <laughs> would not blame him. No, I would not blame him either. But I like the, the thought of him like shoving Manfred in a locker though. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Um, something else that MLB is doing, um, is that they are once again, we, we're, we're barely into the new rules that we have now. Um, and they're already testing yet more new rules in the Atlantic league, um, which has become their like guinea pig for all their, um, their new rules, um, which includes the designated pinch runner. <laughs> um, I said that as a Just joke stop. years ago. Nope, and they are actually doing it. <laughs> they are actually doing it. And and the designated pinch runner can like come in whenever. <laughs> it's wild. Um yeah, designated pinch runner. Tim uh, Castro, you found your new niche. Each each club will list a player who is not otherwise in the starting lineup to designate as a pinch runner. That player must then be subs- may then be substituted at any point into a game as a base runner. The player who is substituted for, as well as the pinch runner, may then return to the game without penalty. So the, the he would literally just yeah no they literally just like run and then they switch back. Yep. So you put Locastro in for Volgobach and then yeah when so Volgobach never runs the bases he only hits he doesn't play the field he doesn't run the bases either he only hits and Locastro only runs and doesn't play the field and doesn't hit. No. That would be that would be the You situation. heard it, MLB. Linda gave her answer. Yes. No. I have spoken. <laughs> um the other the other rules they're testing out um are one, only a single disengagement per at bat, uh, with the new pitching rules. Right now it's two disengagements Ugh. per at bat. Now what if they try four? One. Now what about three and a half? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seventeen, but only on weekdays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can you can look at the batter and then you can look away from him, but only if you look at your catcher first and then you look at your first baseman and then you look back. But then twice. <laughs> what if you do a disengagement and then you have to sneeze? Is that another disengagement? Like, I mean, I think that would literally be considered a violation <laughs> nowadays. I think if Probably. you do and then you sneeze, they'd be like, "Whoops, sorry, buddy." <laughs> That's strike one. <laughs> no ball one. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you- I, I i'm a little annoyed because i have defended mlb making some changes and now i feel like they're trying to make me look bad <laughs> they're if you give them an inch they'll they'll take a mile exactly. it's like oh look at these new rules oh we're gonna make it even weirder now it's like we're gonna make it like no- make the game resemble nothing like it was well, now they're so- like not even trying to solve problems they're just like 
doing playing shit around. To do shit. Yeah. yeah. You flip a coin at the start of every half inning that will determine if you run clockwise or counterclockwise around the bases. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Let's do it. Um, well, and also, like, it kind of pisses me off, too, that they're like, oh, well, obviously the pitch clock rules are a success. How do we know that? Has it bought new fans in? It's short in games, but do we know that's what the fans want? Like yeah, how the players we... and the owners wanted it, and so that's why. It, that's... So, yeah, so, so the owners it. are happy it's a success? Like, what's, what's the measure of success here? If if your alcohol sales remain the same, if you extend them to the ninth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, more more beer money to not spend. Yeah, I don't. I I mean, I don't know. I don't think we're gonna know. Like, I'm tr- I we all know I hate the pitch clock. I'm not gonna waste time ranting about it anymore. But we won't know. I don't think we'll know the quote unquote success of it until for a while. Like, if it does bring in new fans, I will gladly eat crow about that. But I don't think we can measure, like, it's one month into the season. I don't know if we can know that yet. Um, I think it might take a little time. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's shortened games. We already know that. But, yeah, I don't know. And stolen bases, obviously, way up, too. Um, That's already a, a discernible effect. Um, the final rule that they are testing in the Atlantic League is the quote double hook, where a team loses its DH if the starter fails to make it through five innings. So the Mets would have been double hooked a lot of times already. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's one that I always liked the idea of, but I also sort of feel like once once the DH became universal, like it's gonna be really hard to get anyone out of that. And like I don't know, like, are you punishing a team if their starter gets injured? Yeah. Why? I mean, I think no, if I'm not mistaken, that they they had an exception for injury, just like the the same exception that they would use for, like, warm-up time and that kind of stuff. But I also feel like, I mean, do we really want relievers batting? But no, then they would just have to go through pinch hitters again. Because they'd yeah. be coming out of the game anyway. It's just, just, just stop. MLB, let it, let it go. Just leave it, leave it, leave it right there. Just don't touch. Stop. Like I understand what they're trying to get at with this, in the sense that like starters are throwing fewer and fewer innings now, and the Mets are obviously experiencing this problem, and it's had a negative impact. So, if there was a double hook rule, then they would be inclined to push their starters a little more, but I just think that this is asking for disaster for, for starting pitchers to get hurt. Um, like if you're going to push a starter, like beyond what he, when he's physically gassed, especially that the pitch clock is making them more gassed. And yeah. now you're asking them to stay in the game past when they are gassed. That's just a recipe for disaster in my opinion. And also like, you know, if they make an exception for injury, which they obviously should, it would be insane not to do that. Won't teams just like make that up? Like, oh, he has arm fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> so then, we don't lose I feel, like, I feel like the way baseball goes, it's like if you get pulled for arm fatigue, then you have to go on like a mandatory like seven day IL. Yeah, that's probably the way that they're going to do that. Yeah. Um, like if you, if you're really pulling the starter due to injury, then he has to go, like, it's mandatory for him to go on the IL yeah. after, which would be its own disaster. Yeah. Oh, that's a hundred percent what's going to happen. It would probably, they'd, they'd probably have to work with the, the same rules they have for like warm ups and stuff. I think that would probably be, yeah. Just use whatever that structure is. Yeah. It's yeah. But don't do it. Also, don't, just simply don't. It's, it's just getting, it's just too complicated. Just, just cut it out, man. Stop it. Give us all a break. We're very tired. Stop messing <laughs> with baseball. And also, Please. all these things that umpires have to keep track of, it's just another thing now. Yeah. You're asking yeah. a lot out of umpires. Yeah, seriously. And and then you're going to replace all of them with robots. <laughs> 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 I mean, if they're not monitoring the strike zone, I guess they they can monitor everything else. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like, 
I don't want to preemptively get myself too worked up about this, like that they're testing all these things because who knows if they'll ever come to fruition. But I feel like like most of like all these rules that they all the new rules they have now were all were also tested in the Atlantic League. And I feel like they implemented most of the things they tested. So it just makes me feel like when they float things, they're like already pretty serious about it. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. And I'm not happy about it. (laughs) No, it makes me really nervous. I don't know, like designated pinch runner. Like, why why? don't you just designate like then you like might as well just make it football where you have an offense and a defense and it's just two separate teams. Yeah. Don't give them any ideas. And also, does that like are you going to expand the rosters? Because now if you are carrying a designated pinch runner, I assume they would. Yeah, Yeah, I think they probably would. They'd have to. It's a it's a new roster spot. They have to do it. You would, like, I mean, you would think, but we're still talking about Major League Baseball here. Fair enough. <laughs> I just assume that they would, they would have to do that. And then, oh no, another payer, another player to pay on your mm-hmm. payroll. Gotta have those limits on contract length. Yep. But then, how do you determine which pay this guy? He didn't do anything. He just ran bases while other people were getting hits. I don't know, man. Like, does he just make the league minimum? I don't know. Do you base it on how many stolen bases? It depends on how good he is at it. Yeah. Is he tearing score? Or how many runs he scores? I don't know. But if he has a crappy lineup behind him, you can't penalize him for that. Oh, they'll find a way to, though. (laughs) They're going to start having, like, pinch runner combines, and they're going to make them sprint, do the 40-yard sprint, and do the stopwatch stuff. (laughs) That'll be special. Um... But yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. Hopefully these things don't happen, but who knows? We might be looking at that in the next CBA. Um, anyhow, um, that does it for the show this week, but we will end the show like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? So I wanted to take a moment to shout out um, non-baseball sports. Um, Brianna Turner from WNBA. The team is escaping my mind. I'm super embarrassed from the Mercury. Yes. Um, She had a really awesome Twitter thread today, and we will link it when we post the show. But um, I'm trying to decide if I want to read the whole darn thing. I'll read the first one and see how I go. With so many people interested in the well-being of women's sports recently, I can't wait to see an outpouring of new WNBA fans this summer. Or are you guys only concerned when it comes to trans inclusion? I will leave the rest to y'all to read, but it's um, it's just a great rant, kind of hitting two main points in the, you know, quote, trans debate around sports, which is like, one... It only exists to hurt trans people. And two, it doesn't actually involve any material support for women's sports. It really is just about trying to make life more difficult for trans people. But she um, she hits just a lot of really important points. And, you know, I think while obviously the voices that are most important to this conversation and should be centered are trans athletes. At the same time, it means a lot to a lot of people to hear uh, cis athletes talking about these issues and it increases the reach and um, someone like Brianna using the platform to really make a very explicit heartfelt plea for the inclusion of trans people in sports Um it's it was really it was really great to see. And um, and she points out also that uh, this is going to be a great year for WNBA. Uh, New York Liberty, I am told, is going to be very good, whether they are, they are or not. Um, my children and I will be watching them. Um, and on that, I will end on the note also of um, reading one more of her tweets in this thread, which is how one can support women's sports without destroying trans people in the process um one stream games two follow leagues and players on social media three buy merch four go to games you can go you can support women's sports without disparaging trans women wnba season tip-off is less than a month away 12 teams to support and dozens of players to team up with one of the most inclusive environments you'll ever be in so yeah that's 
that is my walk-off win. Brianna Turner, um, WNBA, trans inclusion. It's she's got a lot of wonderful things to say, and uh, we will we will share that with y'all tomorrow. Yep, it's a really good thread, and basically, as Maggie said, points out the hypocrisy of people who have never had one shred of caring for women's sports in the past, suddenly caring supposedly very, very much, but not actually doing anything meaningfully that would help women's sports. They're just screaming about trans women. And I will say the Liberty jerseys are very nice, so if you want to buy one, (laughs) you can't go wrong with the Liberty jerseys. Yeah. The Liberty are going to be very good this year. The WNBA is very fun. Um, And I will do a a small shout out for the NWSL as well. Women's soccer is so fun, you guys. Um, And as, as, as most people probably already know, the women's national team has had far more success than the men's Mm. national team. (laughs) Um, And the women's world cup is this summer. So if you want another opportunity to support women's sports, um, the women's world cup is, just the most fun like I it is the only thing that gets me like as excited for a sport as like Mets baseball it's the only thing that's on that level for me is the women's national team because they are so good um and it's gonna be so fun to watch them um and the the Washington spirit uh is the is my local NWSL team here in DC and I don't have to feel any conflicts about rooting for them unlike other DC sports teams that would conflict with my New York sports teams um I have become a, a complete a complete spirit fan now and I'm very excited they're they're very good as well um so Did they yeah. ever get the cherry blossom jerseys they never got jerseys but they have uh cherry blossom merch that's okay. not jerseys like hoodies and t-shirts and stuff like that and it's very good merch um, so yeah, um, the WNBA and the NWSL are some of the most fun sports leagues going and please, please support women's sports. Um, it's very important. Um, Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, but besides Joey Lucchese, that's, that's a given. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I booked my hotel for Paris next year. Um, cause I was getting a little nervous that, um, you know, everything would be sold out and everything was selling out, but then everything was non-refundable. So I'm like, if something happens, I don't want to be out like a lot of money. Um, so it was kind of like torn, like, do I book? Do I not book? Cause then if it's non-refundable, what do I do? Um, but I found, finally found this hotel that's a block from the Eiffel Tower um that's also literary themed and it has a library in the hotel you found a hotel library i did like they said it's completely redone in 2016 and it looks gorgeous um i will say it's super french to say something was completely redone uh seven years ago yeah (laughs) (laughs) it is brand new seven years seven years ago That's not disparaging. (laughs) But then, like, they have, like, a little patio out front so you can get your little breakfast and sit out front with the patio with the Eiffel Tower in the back. And it just, oh, it looks so gorgeous. And I'm so happy that I booked it. Because then, like, we found other hotels, but then they weren't letting you book this far out in advance. So this one was just, like, perfect. It was refundable up to a week before your trip. It wasn't... It was expensive, but not as expensive as I thought, considering it's a four-star hotel, a block from the Eiffel Tower, and we splurged for the Eiffel Tower view. Because so I was like, you know what? What am I ever going to do with this again? I'm going to splurge. What? Why not? Um, so, and it's got a hotel library. <laughs> so it's like all my interests all... And then they, like, during since it's the Olympics, they're having venues going on at the Eiffel Tower. Like, I think beach volleyball is going to be there. Equestrian is going to be there. So I'm like, I wonder if I can just watch those from my window. (laughs) That would be awesome if I could actually see. Um, But besides that, um, it just, like, now it feels more real that I'm actually doing this. I'm actually going. um, And it just looks, um, it was the huge weight lifted off my shoulder because I'm like now I actually have a place to stay I can now I don't care what I have to do I'll swim I'll I'll like take a boat uh I don't care if I have to like go to Philadelphia and get a flight there I'll do whatever I have to do to get there but 
as long as I have a place to stay and it looks amazing and I'm so happy. So yeah, that's my love block up one. Yeah. That's very exciting, Linda. So on brand. I love it so much. Yes. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, it's a sign. I have to do it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Had to do it. <laughs> um, my walk-off whim for this week um, is that my best friend was in D.C. last week, um, and I got to have dinner with her because she testified in front of the Senate. Um, oh, wow. And so, yeah, my hey, best yo. friend's a badass. Her. Um, yeah, she she works in electric vehicles for the uh, National Resource Defense Council, um, and she's amazing and so cool. And it was just so cool to see, like, C-SPAN <laughs> shots of her um, doing her thing. Um, and I'm so proud of her. So, uh, and we got to go out to dinner to celebrate. Um, and that was, that was really fun. And it was nice to just, you know, hang out with her. Um, usually it's, usually it's me coming to her city. She lives in New York. So usually it's me coming to her city when I'm, when we're going to visit family or we're going to see the Mets or whatever. But for once she got to come down and see me. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it was just very cool and I'm very proud of her. So that's my walk off one for this. That's really impressive. Yes. Um, she's a badass. Love you, Kath. Um, so that does it for the show this week. Um, you can go to homerunapplesauce.com to find all of our fantastic podcasts. In particular this week, I want to shout out the new member of the Home Run Applesauce fam, Flushing is Burning. Please listen to them. Grace and Christian are fantastic. And they actually recently had a conversation um, on their first episode about the about trans inclusion in sports, a much more extensive discussion than we had time for today. So please, please, please listen to that because it's very, very good. Um, and it is a queer focus show by queer focused people so please check out flushing is burning um and all of our other fantastic pods on homerunapplesauce.com to support our work you can go to patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce you can follow homerunapplesauce on twitter and instagram at hr applesauce you can follow this show on twitter and instagram at a pod of their own you can follow each of us on twitter i am at petite phd where are you linda at linda service and you maggie at Maggie162. You can subscribe to our lovely podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from. Search Home Run Applesauce. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there's no crying in